0: Seven zero seven eight hundred nine four nine eight seven zero seven.
1: Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Today's show is going to be fun because we're going to have
2: a guest on we've had in the past. Yeah, one of my good friends and and just a really interesting and fascinating and a bulliant, you know, outgoing guy. Vita Blue, former Major League pitcher, former Cy Young winner, who pitched for many years for the uh, Oakland A's and for the San Francisco Giants. So yeah. uh, you know, among other teams, he pitched for a few other clubs too. So he's going to join us to talk a little about the World Series and his career. And I think you'll enjoy the uh, the comments and the stories. Yeah, he's, he's he's always fun having on. He is. He's just full of life. Uh, vita means life. The word vita means life, and and this is that guy, right? Is that right? It does in Spanish. I believe it means life, and he. Uh, has a lot of that. Uh, I mentioned the word "ebullience." You know, it's like a, uh, you know, somebody with moonbe or sunbeams going out of their fingers. I mean, that's Vida. You're around him, and he just livens up the room. Now, so,
1: are either of his parents of uh, Spanish or Mexican I descent? I don't
2: believe so, but uh, I may be wrong. There may be. I don't think so. But okay. his dad, I believe, you know, he loved that love some of the Latin terms, and Vita, I believe, means life. Yeah, because he's or, uh, or... Vita Junior. That's right, Vita Blue yeah, Junior. Yeah. That's very good. You're right. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. All
1: right. Uh, each uh, commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question, and in honor of today's guest, it's going to be 1970s World Series. Uh, fun fun times. And I'm sure both of you will get these <laughs> quite. These <laughs> we'll answers. defer to
2: Vita on some of those questions. He knows them better than I do.
3: Uh, I don't know, I think you
1: yeah. both do. Okay. Yeah. This segment of Sports Econ one oh one is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding seven and three quarters percent, secured by California real estate, mostly in the Bay Area, at conservative loan to values. It doesn't get any more conservative than that. You should check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. They also have some webinars going on. Web- what is know, a what, webinar? Well, basically on your computer, instead of having to show up for a meeting, oh, yeah, you yeah. can just kind of be – it's like being in the classroom. Sure. But you get to see it on your computer, and then they'll they'll uh, go through the slides. Interesting. Which is okay. pretty good, because if you're all over the country, it's easier to do it that easier way. Easier to do, yeah. Check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com, and don't touch that dial. Sports Econ 101 We'll be right back.
0: PacificPrivateMoney.com. Driven Raceway, it's family fun for all ages. European indoor go-kart racing with speeds up to 45 miles an hour. Open seven days a week in Roner Park and Fairfield. Driven Raceway is perfect for holiday fun and gifts. So lead the pack at Driven Raceway with go-kart racing, private party rooms for special events, birthday parties, great weekly specials, and lots more. Perfect for all your family fun, it's Driven Raceway with two locations, Roner Park and Fairfield. Driven Raceway, the extreme experience.
4: You're invited to share in our uplifting celebration of togetherness and community this holiday season at Transcendence's Broadway Holiday Spectacular. From the creators of Broadway Under the Stars comes this inspiring holiday spectacular featuring performers from Broadway shows such as Wicked, White Christmas, Les Miserables, and many more. Packed with holiday favorites, showstoppers, and modern twists on some of the season's most heartwarming songs. Reserve tickets now at BroadwayHolidayShow.com. Filling an opening at your company means more than just finding an employee. You're looking for a fit, a match. Robert Half understands that. We know you need someone who can do the work, someone who complements your culture. And, of course, you need that someone fast. When it all comes together, it makes for a perfect fit. Satisfaction guaranteed. Robert Half, the matching experts in accounting, finance, IT, legal, marketing, and administrative staffing. Visit roberthalf.com for more information.
5: hundred dollar coupon towards the purchase of a new vantage walk-in bath every call in the next 10 minutes will receive a fifteen hundred dollar coupon towards the purchase of a new vantage walk-in bath your aches and pains can be washed away call right now for a risk-free quote 800-552-6851 800-552-6851 800-552-6851 that's 800-552-6851
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, who's on the phone?
2: Oh, we got a good friend of ours, uh, former giant, former athletic, and and one of the the really good guys in in the world of baseball. And he, he was a star. Uh, at a young age and, and was on the cover of Life and Time and Sports Illustrated. I'm talking about the the Blue Blazer, Vita Blue. <laughs> good to have you with us, V. What's going on, man? Good
6: morning. I'm good, guys. <laughs> a beautiful day in the Bay Area, huh?
2: It is, it is, it is. want You know, We want to talk to you a little bit about the World Series and everything that's been going on, but you know, I, I'd be remiss, and Edward and I would both be remiss, if we didn't ask you a little bit about your career. I, I distinctly remember when I was in college, the 1972 World Series, watching those games, and between the Reds, who were just starting to embark on that great run that they had, and you guys were in the midst of you know your great run, you had about seven or eight guys that were in the Hall of Fame. You had seven or eight All Stars. I mean, the names, you know, Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, uh, Raleigh Fingers, yourself, Pete Rose. Red, Pete oh no, Rose. he's not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie yeah, yeah. 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 Jackson. I mean, what was it like playing? What was it like being a young guy playing? Can't leave out Tony Perez. Oh, Tony of course. Perez, of Tony course. Perez, one of my favorites.
3: And uh, but,
6: can't leave out Joe Morgan, man. Joe
3: no, Morgan, the Bay Area name. zone. The yep. Bay Area
2: zone.
6: Well, I don't know. I was 22. Uh, I turned 22 that summer during the seventy two World Series. But you can look out on the field and see the greatness on both sides. And uh, arguably, there, there are a couple of guys on the, on each team that, that still should be it, that that could end up being hard I mean, Campanaris, he, yeah he he's a borderline guy. You think of uh you know, you think of Dave Concepcion, he's a borderline guy and Salabando. Those guys are short sized Salabando, yeah. yeah. no, they're borderline guys. Yeah. So I don't know man, but but just thinking back to seventy two Bruce, that was one other important thing that took place, at least for me during the seventy two World Series. I got a chance to meet this guy named Jackie Robinson, which was so cool. Mm-hmm. He uh he threw out the first pitch and and later on, unfortunately, that that November, he passed away. So, uh, for some strange reason, I was back at my mom's house in Louisiana. I booked a flight to New York, and I went to I went to Joe uh, uh, Jackie Robson memorial service, and it was it was the most it was it was so big for me because you know my grandfather was a big time Dodgers fan because of Jackie Robson. So it was a lot of African American uh, folks throughout the country, and. Uh, they rode, his motorcade went all through Harlem, all up through parts of Manhattan and uh, back to, you know, a, a, a former resting place. But uh, I remember all of the, uh, all the guys there, the Frank Robson and Joe Morgan's and Willie Mazes and uh, uh, the, the noted players, stars of the game at that time, the Willie Stargers. You know, I, I think all those guys were there, but I, I felt compelled to go back to his service and that he was so neat. When I got a chance to meet him, I just had him say, nice to meet you, sir. And that's what's autograph or nothing. But uh, that I do remember. But back to the World Series. It's, you never know, World Series games are so unpredictable. Uh, you hear the managers talk about you know, doing the things that got them that are going to continue to do those things. And uh, that just so happened. That's what's been happening. Because I know, I think Houston has the number one offense in Major League Baseball. So if you would figure that they would score runs. But... You know, the Dodgers always brag about the pitching. And they always say good pitching nullifies good hitting, yeah. but that has not been the case.
1: Yeah, especially uh, the first uh, – well, the, the, the game five was just ridiculous. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> that was like a video
2: game. I mean, I, I'm watching that thing, but I don't know about you, but it, there was a surreal quality to that. Every time I'm turning around, somebody's hitting a home run, somebody's wrapping a double yeah. up the gap. I mean, have you ever seen a game quite like that in the postseason?
6: Yeah, well, you know, you got to consider mid minute park. It is a hitter's park, but – but they always talk about, like I said, good hitting stops good pitching. And uh, that has not been the case. And that, That's what makes the World Series so much fun. You can get that. I mean, you can't predict nothing. And and uh, it's if you sit on your edge and see, I think twice, game five, I think I've changed channels. I said, I better check back see what the heck's going on. I missed Puig's home run, which tied it up. I think his yeah. home run made it 5-5. Five, five. Not in last night's game, but night before game. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell happened?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you know, these home runs. I mean, some of these home runs are going 480 feet. So they're going to go out pretty much, except for the polo grounds, they're going to go out anywhere.
6: Yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, but but still, now, but, you know, if teams at home are looking at these guys, you go to. Oh, wow, we can hit – this guy is hittable, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think about – Kershaw, can't get this guy out. I'm talking about Kenley Jansen from the Dodgers.
1: Yeah. He's
6: been exposed. I I think fear of him has has been removed. So, what do you do in a game six situation back in L.A. tomorrow? What do you do? All hands on deck. Just get me one hitter. Sometimes that's all it takes. Just get me one out. It can make the difference of a ball game. But that has not been happening. I don't think it's been like a one, two, three inning – on either side for maybe maybe twice throughout the whole uh, last uh-huh. night's game, yeah. Game 5 for
2: sure, I'm saying. I, I hearken back again to that 72 series because six of those games were decided by a single run, and that meant that Raleigh Fingers was was involved in just about every one of those Which, games.
1: By the way, my, my I've got to say my favorite memory of the 72 World Series had to be with the called strike on Johnny oh, Bench, no. when it was supposed oh. to be an intentional walk. Yeah, that's right. That, that was, was a,
6: so a fake good. intentional walk. That was Dick yeah. Williams' idea, and uh, that kind of caught me by surprise too. Because <laughs> when you, when the manager goes to the mound, you're talking about strategy, how to pitch the guy, What's no way you're going to attack his weak spot and not give him anything good to hit. But uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I can still see it. <laughs> yep. He, see Joe Martin yelling at Johnny <laughs> Bench: that, "Johnny, Johnny, look out <laughs> right on the yeah, I don't
1: mean, right. push. looking at Johnny Bench going. And, he, and he's looking like what? I, well, I don't yeah, understand. for those yeah.
2: for those that don't remember, this is going back <laughs> so, a few ways. Just so
6: happened I was with Raleigh Tingas. over the weekend. I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, doing ah. those autograph shows. And <laughs> oh yeah. I got to visit with Raleigh Tingas and uh, my ex teammate Rollie. Uh, not Riley, uh Mike Epstein was there. Yeah, i sure. not seen him at ages. So kind of like a little reunion thing for us, and I really enjoyed the event. And uh, it had snowed tonight before as I flew into Minneapolis, so it was like it was still freezing, and I'm like. How do you people do this? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. To the weather that we have today, I think we pay for our weather though. I think oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true.
2: We, we do. We pay a dear price for. It. What was that clubhouse like though? Everybody talks about how the, the A's were always battling and fighting among each other. You had all these different personalities. You know, whether it was Reggie Jackson or Billy North or Raleigh Fingers or you know Joe Rudy. I mean, there were there were some real mild mannered guys, and then there were some intense guys. And then you had then you had uh, Dick Williams of all people, who was just. Uh, you know, uh, trying to keep everything you know in order. I mean, it must have been a lot of, must have been quite an experience for a youngster.
6: Bruce, it was, it was. Uh, you, I. It's this is a family show, so I'm gonna try to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, along with Dick Williams, he was tough but fair when it came to fines and and uh, and discipline of of his locker room. He wanted everybody to know that he was the manager, and we him respecting the manager, but. You could left out the the other most important guy. That was Charlie Finley, Finley, the owner of the team. And this guy, I describe him as being a a combination of of Ted Turner, uh, Al Davis, (laughs) George Steinbrenner and Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> not politically correct. <laughs> you got the trifecta, the 4 yeah. fourfecta there. <laughs> so, so choose your poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, he, could I, what could I say? He wanted you to. He
2: actually wanted you to to tr- uh, to change your name, didn't he? he I mean, he, yeah, he, he...
6: he did. Well, of course, because we had Jim Catfish Hunter, we had John Blue Moon, Hunter. we yeah. had Bert Campe Campanaris. And I don't know if your listeners remember a guy that was we talked a long time ago. There was a guy on our team. His name was Jumbo Gymnast. Jumbo Gymnast. Oh, yeah. about six six had to weigh like two eighty. He was like a seven forty seven legs. And uh and of course he's you know, he came up with this with this idea about change my name and uh, you know, a lot of folks don't know that I was I'm named after my dad, I'm Vita Blue Junior, so huh. Unfortunately, my father passed away my senior year in high school, which mm. you know obviously happens to a lot of kids. And uh, I, so he never saw me play major league uh, professional baseball. Period. Mm. But after I got drafted, made it to the uh, sign contract, played a year in Burlington, Iowa. Next year, I was in Double A, of Southern League, in Birmingham, Alabama. The year after that, I went back to Iowa, the great state of Iowa. I was I was based in Des Moines, Iowa, and we were the Iowa Oaks. And I got called up that September. Uh, on the September call-ups and, uh, you know, through a no-shirt against the Minnesota Twins in, in yeah 1970. And I made the team in 71 going into uh, my fourth year in Pro Bowl. So, you know, as the story goes, you know, they want me to change my name, but say, look, Miss Finley, I was named after my dad like I just shared the story. I'm not going to change all to my name. Uh, you know, not even for you, I'm not doing that. And it got out in the newspaper that he offered me 10 grand. I don't remember him.
3: <laughs>
1: you know, he collected on it now. Yeah. Hey, Vida, wait, wait, hold on. We want to continue that story. We have to cut to a quick break here. And, and I know, you know you're going to know the answer, but you can't answer until we get back, okay? Bruce got will know it. this one, too. In fact, our honor of our guest, Vida Blue, we have uh, the theme, trivia theme is 1970s World Series. In the 1974 World Series saw the Oakland Athletics for the third consecutive time. Who helmed the athletics in 1974? Who all right? helmed? Basically, who was who, who, the, the manager? Oh, who's was the manager? <laughs> okay. I figured I'd trick you with that. Yeah. Don't yeah. touch that dial. Sports Econ 101. Okay. I'll be right back.
7: Call now for your free face-to-face consultation. 800-813-9940. 800-813-9940. 800-813-9940
9: your process lower your monthly mortgage payments save your home and your credit but you must act now call 800-274-7312 800-274-7312 not available in all states paid non-attorney spokesperson
1: welcome back to sports econ 101 again i'm edward brown your host along with bruce McGowan first trivia question the 1974 world series saw the oakland athletics for the third consecutive time <laughs> who is the? <laughs> <laughs> about' laughing because he <laughs> remembers he was there <laughs> Who helmed?
2: Who helmed? Who, who managed? Who, who, who skippered?
1: I don't know who wrote this thing. Yeah, well, who yeah. manag- Who skippered the athletics in 1974? Tell us a
2: little story about the, the manager. Uh, <laughs> the, the
3: big word threw
1: me off. That, that's yeah, the, the
2: helmed. <laughs> Sounds like you're a yachtsman or it's something. Not a yachtsman,
1: exactly. Well, first of all, give the answer.
6: With that big word. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, tell us a little story about the guy. Who was it, first of all?
6: Oh, uh, Alvin Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And he was he was from your neck of the woods, wasn't he from Louisiana? But he was from a he was from a different world though, really. He's
6: uh he's from Louisiana. Well, you know, when he took over the team, uh I had heard all these stories about how he divided the locker room in, in San Francisco with the Latin players in the corner and the black players in the corner and the white and the white players in the corner. I don't know how true that was, but I had heard stories of such and uh I don't know. I just tried to take him to face value and, once again, respect him as the manager. But uh, he had found, and that's it against this. I'm just sharing the story. He had found religion, and he walked around, and he carried a Bible. So, you know, in training camp, early in in camp, we had a team meeting. He said, look, guys, I don't want to hear no profanities, no racist remarks. Like, you know, know, amongst your baseball fan, we call each other you – you're crazy Polak, you're crazy okay. Italian, so and so and so, you know. And uh, and he said, I don't want no profanity. So, throughout the course of the '74 season, and most coaches and managers, too, too rules, know the signals, know the signs, and always be on time. Okay. So, something happened. I, I know I was pitching a game and I got taken out of the game, and the managers always want you to give put the ball in their head. Yeah. I think I flipped it up in the air, and I'm not sure if he called it or not, but he said after the game, I'm not sure whether we won or lost the game, that that he's going to find me. I said, okay, how much is it fine? So being the young, brash, cocky son of a gun I was, I go to my local bank and get, it must have been about $3,000 in nickels, dimes, pennies, and (laughs) quarters. By the way, that stuff is heavy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to I had the bad boy, one of the bad boys go back out to my car and help me load all the stuff. I got there and I put, went and put it and poured it out all over his desk. Knuckles, pennies, diamonds, and quarters on the manager's desk in his office. So he walks in and he comes into the locker room and say, Vibe, hey, I see you you uh you got me put your fine money on my desk. I said thank you very much. So I turned around and said, Aren't you going to the county? He said, No, I said, I trust you. I'm like, Well, son of good, I should have just bought you a cashier's check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, man.
1: if if it really was I mean, three thousand dollars back in nineteen seventy four for just not handing him the baseball. I mean it's not like I've seen guys like toss it on like drop it on the ground because they were upset. Yeah. You know?
6: Well, it was it was it was doing a game and I showed him up and mm. uh if you if, Yeah. The take the high road. I was wrong. I should have been. But when you're that frustrated about being taken out of a game, you know, you, sure. sometimes your emotions get the best of you. But again, as a young brash kid about out there, listen. When the manager coach comes out, going to take you out of the game, just give him the ball. He pats you on the butt. You, there you walk go.
1: Yeah, and of course, yeah. if you find out ahead of time, you're going to get a three thousand dollars fine. You better get your three thousand dollars worth. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. You knock his hat off There's... or something. Yeah. There you go. Well, Vida was. You mentioned you broke in in '70, had the no hitter, and then in '71, you just you know, went into another dimension. You were on the cover of Time. You were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. All these baseball magazines. You're not even 22 years old yet. The the crowds would show up and the A's would pack, you know, the stadium. They'd have a sellout crowd for you. Yeah, and the the next game there would only be maybe 10,000 people. What was that like for a young guy your age from rural Louisiana? All of a sudden – you know, you go from obscurity to being this this national story overnight. I mean, how did you handle uh, that? I don't
6: know, Bruce. It was I just kind of dealt with it. I was kind of shy and reserved at the time, but uh, when you're on the cover of those magazines, it give you national exposure. And of course, the A's were the team of the of of that era for that for about a five year run, and uh, we were we were noted for for fighting, as you mentioned. We were noted for having mustaches and beards, yeah. as yeah. as a lot of teams were very envious of us because they had rules that you couldn't have facial hair, and uh, we also wore the white shoes. But I don't know, man. I just it was so long ago, Bruce. But I, was, uh-huh. I wish I was sure athlete could experience being at the top of a game like that. I uh, I was what they call what they call now in sports, were being in the zone. I was in the zone for a whole year, so
3: yeah.
6: Uh, I was just so fortunate to have something like that happen to me, and. Uh, uh, it seemed like yesterday, but it, it was it was forty some years ago. It's, it is hard you to know, believe. I, I was yeah. going to ask
1: you. Eventually, you ended up pitching for the Giants, also, and so you know, for a, a native uh, Californian, you know, Bay Area. For us, it was really kind of fun. Um, but for you, I mean, going from you know American League to National League, even though it's across the bay, you're from Louisiana originally. I mean, does it did it make that much of a difference to you getting traded to let's say the Giants versus another team?
6: Well. You know, I had established myself here in the Bay Area. So I, I think it—I it might have been a, a stroke of luck to, to remain in the Bay area because, uh, uh, you know, I, I was very—I still am very fond of the Bay Area. That's why I still reside in the uh, local area. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was a good—it was a good trade. Uh, I got traded for six players from the Giants, and uh, uh, it was time that I moved on from these because free agency had come about, and. Uh, I had been duped into signing a contract prior to the uh, 78 season. So Gene Tennis left via free agency. Raleigh left via free agency. Bando left via free agency. Catfish Hunter had yeah. found a, a flaw in his contract, and he had immediate uh, free agency, and he ended up going to the uh,
1: Yankees. Right? The Yankees.
6: Yeah. And the Reggie Reggie went yeah. to Baltimore in a trade for Mike Torres and Don Baylor. Uh, Joe Rudy was in Anaheim. And uh, so we were kind of scattered all over the area. And uh, uh, I was the last remaining of the original uh, A's that had won those three championships. But uh, it was a good move. I, I I found my niche here in the Bay Area, and I've remained here ever since. Yeah,
1: let me ask you, what part of Louisiana are you from?
6: I grew up near beautiful Shreveport, Louisiana. My hometown is Mansfield, Louisiana. So mm. I actually, fly when I go home, I actually fly into Shreveport. And drive 40 miles south, going towards uh, the southern part of the state. And uh, uh, but most of the games I played in, in baseball and football, all the schools were in Shreveport, and that that was part of our of the district that I played in when it came to our cup, high school sports.
1: Yeah, the reason I was asking is my daughter just transferred to Tulane.
6: Oh, that's in New Orleans. They're
1: in New Orleans, yeah. So I just Not got a
6: good. Good for her. Yeah.
1: And uh, it's, it's the the weather, uh, you know, it's like they had the Hurricane Harvey and, and all that. So she had to kind of – unfortunately, it didn't hit New Orleans directly, but uh, she was loving what's this evacuation stuff, you know?
6: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, you, you see those signs all over the place. Yeah. And uh, when they say, get out, get out. Yeah, right.
1: exactly. So, you know, it's funny. I was off air. I was saying how I was going to tell the story uh, because uh, Vita said he was going to be going to Wilmington, North Carolina. So I, I was checking out uh, Raleigh and Cary and Durham. Uh, Potentially thinking about moving there back in 05. And I asked, I said, you know, uh, is there any good beaches around here? And someone said, well, you know, just drive down to Wilmington. It's got great beach. So I, I drive down there. The water's like 85 degree. I mean, it's just phenomenal, wow. right? Wow. And, and it's just, it's calm. And I'm in the water, and then suddenly there's this, this cool electrical lightning storm going on. And, <laughs> I'm, and I'm just looking up going, that is so cool. And I'm ready to, like, for about... 30 seconds I'm, I'm just thinking that right and i look i'm looking to the guy next to me to say isn't that so cool and i'm the only one in the water
6: <laughs> <laughs> and then i realized yeah.
1: oh electricity water yeah that's not a good thing
6: not a good thing not a good thing You, you well, have to get to dry ground man. Get yeah, to, right. get to,
2: yeah exactly of get out i of, didn't learn the hard way trouble. well vita came from the deep south and, and you mentioned jackie robinson i mean what a what a iconic figure he was and and young you know african american kids and and kids of all races uh, looked up to this guy he he was sort of larger than life he had to carry a lot of weight on his shoulders um, you know what? What was it like for a young African American guy coming into baseball in the early '70s? Things had finally opened up, and and the doors were being knocked down. And by that time, there wasn't quite the the problems that they'd had in the 1940s and '30s and before. Uh, you know, did did you handle the? I guess it was kind of a culture shock coming from a small town, a small segregated town in Louisiana. To oh, absolutely, Bruce. Know.
6: My my high school was all black. Uh, my church was all black. And unfortunately, Bruce, it's embarrassing to say, but it's in in my little town at that time, and I, I'm, this might still happen, this, the cemeteries were segregated. I'm like, you're dead, man. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you're dead. Yeah. But uh, that was the nature of of the of the country at that time, and uh, as a matter of fact, the nature of the world. But you know, when I left home, they went to Burlington, Iowa, I met Italian guys. I met again, you know, guys from Venezuela, guys from Dominican Puerto Rico, Cuba, Panama. Uh, Mexico, uh so the uh and and my, my one only roommate was from Puerto Rico. So in my seventeen years of playing Major League Ball I had one roommate who was from Puerto Rico. And I know Spanish, but again, it's a family show, so I'll just continue to speak English <laughs>
2: uh, you know back back to the here and now. who are the guys that impress you today in baseball? Who would you you know turn your television on or stop whatever you're doing just to watch this guy back?
6: oh man i'm a when it comes to home run, I'm a big Stanton guy, yeah, uh. Yeah. I like Harper. Obviously, he's a star in the making. And uh, but my my favorite player that has the most natural ability that just makes the game look so easy Trout. is Mike Trout. I
1: knew he was going to say it. <laughs> okay. yeah.
6: My guy. Yeah, he's you know,
1: he's he's been all you know, hey. you
6: know, the the guy that I'm really frustrated with is uh, 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 Puig. I think he has just yeah. much yeah. ability, but I, for some reason he, he got distracted or got off the, the, the track there. But I, I don't know why. Yeah, this is just my opinion, why the Dodgers haven't put a, a manny motor with this guy to take him out to spend some time with him to teach him how to be a major league professional, you know?
3: Yeah. Good with And now uh,
6: he has a lot of ability, man. And, uh, you know, obviously when he first came up, he did all that stuff against, did a little damage against the Dodgers. and. He and uh, he and Baumgartner have a thing going on, so that's always cool to see those guys
3: face each other. Yeah. But hey, hey I'm
6: I it, stay with
1: us one more time, if you can, I just got to c- cut to a quick break here. Sorry, <laughs> I hate doing eight? that. Okay, 1978 was a repeat of the 1977 World Series, pitting the Yankees against the Dodgers with the same result. The Yankees put the Dodgers down four games to two. Which Dodger pitcher lost two games in the series? Ooh. That's our question. Okay. All right, don't touch that dial. Sports Econ One Hundred One. We'll be right back.
4: You're invited to share in our uplifting celebration of togetherness and community this holiday season at Transcendence's Broadway Holiday Spectacular. From the creators of Broadway Under the Stars comes this inspiring holiday spectacular featuring performers from Broadway shows such as Wicked, White Christmas, Les Miserables, and many more. Packed with holiday favorites, showstoppers, and modern twists on some of the season's most heartwarming songs. Reserve tickets now at BroadwayHolidayShow.com.
8: Don't wait until Black Friday for a great deal on the floor you want. Get a deal now and get it done before the holidays at Lumber Liquidators. Get wood-look waterproof floors up to 46% off. All water-resistant laminate is 10 to 29% off. Get all quick-click engineered hardwood on sale and all easy-to-install bamboo on sale. More from 59 cents plus special financing and professional installation. Get a deal now and get it done before the holidays at your local Lumber Liquidators and LumberLiquidators.com.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Second trivia question: 1978 was a repeat of the 1977 World Series, pitting the Yankees against the Dodgers, and with the same result, the Yankees put the Dodgers down four games to two. Which Dodger pitcher lost two games in the series?
2: I got a wow, feeling I, wow, I know wow. that one, but I'm going to let Vida Blue, our guest, take a stab I'm, at it.
6: I'm going to go. I'm going to say Bob Welch.
2: And I, you know, I, I would have thought that too. I'm going to say Don Sutton. Don Sutton is actually oh, the answer. Man. That no.
6: was going to be, that's who I, I, I thought about him too. I wasn't sure if he was still on the team. Yeah. I yeah. just remember Reggie facing Welch.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was For a memorable at games. bat. I, yeah, I ran into Don Sutton this last summer. He's still broadcasting with the Braves. He worked. He came up and pl- uh, pitched late in his career with the A's and then got to pitch in a World Series again with the Angels. And quite a character, uh, Don Sutton. Uh, do you ever have any any memories of going up against him in the 74 series at all, Vida? Uh,
6: no. You know, Bruce, I think he pitched that game two. I
2: mm-hmm. think
6: Catfish Hunter pitched game one. Okay. And uh, I think we won that game two to one, and I pitched game two. I think I was matched up with Sutton. I think we lost that game three to two or two to one. I remember Joe Ferguson hitting the whole run off me. But we split that game and uh, uh, that that series, those two-game series down there. We came back to Oakland and won uh, three in a row and then we go back to L.A. But I think I matched up against him. In Game Two of the seventy-four World Series, I, I think yeah. that
2: might have been the game where Claudell Washington, the designated runner that Charlie had decided to to put in the game, who was a great track star, I think that might have been the game where he got picked off. Uh, yeah, uh, oh yeah. Uh, oh, Mike great. Marshall
6: gave him the old lob move, he gave <laughs> yeah. a good move. He called him in no man's land, and he and he did get picked off,
2: and they called him out. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right.
1: Oh, that's frustrating when you get a, you know you a star runner, and yeah. then ah. yeah. So um, I'm trying to remember when did the DH come in.
2: Seventy three, I, I think, think was. it was came in.
6: Okay, let me give you a tribute. Quick, there <laughs> yeah, we go. Who was the first original designated hitter?
1: Oh, wasn't it Don Baylor? No, it was oh, a it was no, a big,
6: first at, the big, first at bat as a DH. It was a big
2: guy. Oh,
1: oh, oh, oh come on, Sobbs.
2: Yeah, some.
6: It was a Yankee player.
2: Oh yeah, is it Rusty Sob? No, no, no. no, oh, no, he, no. Yeah. oh, he
6: was. He was <laughs> Mets met, in Montreal. Uh, as, as I asked it, I forgot, the,
2: I forgot who I said it. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, I think
1: we even had that trivia question some a, a, time back, and
2: I can Big white guy, I think he played first base, kind of slow-footed, but he had good power. No no, oh. no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, Book Powell was a good fielder, yeah, actually. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was—he was a big, guy. He was slow of foot, though. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm trying to remember who that. W- I'm trying to remember who that would be. right. I'm know, I'm,
6: going to, I'm trying to think. Rich Scheinbloom. No, no. Yeah, we'll, uh, come, we'll Bloom, come. up bro,
2: bro, with it. Uh,
1: Bloom?
6: Oh,
2: Ron, Ron, Blum, Blumberg, Ron, Ron. Blumberg. Ron Bloom. Ron Bloomberg.
6: Okay, Ron Bloom. There, you, there go. you go. There you
2: go. You it know, was, you <laughs> you yeah. mentioned earlier Willie Stargell, who was an absolute sweetheart. I interviewed him a couple of times nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. There wasn't a, there wasn't a mean bone in that guy's body and he died young, but he had a, a charisma about him. Didn't he, buddy? He had a, uh, an air, which, which, you know, people wanted to be around this guy, didn't they?
6: Yeah, man. He was like a natural leader. And, uh, uh, I think he was, I think Chuck Chandler was still managing the team. So he kind of let him run the clubhouse. And that's, it's like having a, another manager in there without you having to go in there to, uh, to, uh, set down rules and regulation. And, uh, I think that's neat to have that type of guy on your ball club, and, and guys just kind of get in line. I suppose like that, but he's just a silent leader. He's not a rah rah guy. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and Starge wanted to make it fun. I think he might have instrumented the uh, all the uniforms that they had and all oh, the. Yeah. Uh, the old time the cap with the strikes yeah. going around the, the Caps. Right?
1: Well, when we were kids, we used to uh, practice our swings and you try to, you know, oh, imitate yeah, you gotta, you gotta, each other. Yeah, of course. The, that yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: He had a, he had a very distinctive style from Oakland, and he, there were eighteen yeah. eighteen players on that on that twenty five man squad that won the World Series in seventy nine that were either African American or uh latino and he always referred to the the group the diverse group of, of white black and and latino players as family we are family that that was a yeah fun, yeah that's yeah and uh,
6: yeah. i you know teams say that uh, players may say that about their team but those guys really showed it i i think they used to get together and have the barbecues at each other's homes or, or just get together and go out and do fun stuff on the road and uh i don't know how many teams still do that today but i knew the a's did we we ended end up in the local hotel bar, and uh, we sit there and hash about the game and talk, talk about lifestyle choices and, and everything else under the sun. Exactly. Hey, let, let
1: me ask yeah. you, sorry, because uh, I, I was talking about the designated hitter. Sure. So yeah, you yeah. you played just before they changed it um, and then after. So how was the transition for you? Um, I'm trying to remember, were you were you a pretty good hitter?
6: I had a pretty swing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Well, I, I hit three more home runs than
2: Dwayne Kuyper. I, I, there you uh, go, <laughs> Dwayne Kuiper, the Giants broadcaster. Had, for those that don't know, he hit one home run in Cleveland. That was probably the best thing about his career. He, <laughs> was he, he a second baseman? Against, yeah, against Steve Stone. Against Steve, it was a pretty good pitcher. <laughs> yeah. at, at Old Cleveland's Municipal Stadium, you hit four homers, huh, Vida? Yes, I did. Uh, hit
6: one. I hit my first home run at Old Comiskey Park in uh, in in seventy uh, one when I first came up. I hit my last home run in Wrigley Field in 1985 wow. uh, before I retired. Yeah, wow. Or 86. Yeah,
2: 86. You play. I remember you came wow, up. You were with the years. Giants, who were just resurgent that year. They'd gone from last 100 losses to contending, and you were part. You were on Roger Craig's 1st hum baby club. That was a fun year.
6: Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. So I enjoyed uh, my time internationally, but you know, going from the DH to having to hit, I had a fear. of, most of the season that I could want to get hit with the ball, you know, you sure. need to know that you can get out of the way of the ball when you got to square around the bunt. And you know, it's yeah. uh, people told me I threw hard. I I I don't know what that's like. I've never faced myself, but I know that when I was facing by like like a, a Jerry Royce, he was the, a big left-handed from the Dodgers. He threw hard, and just being able to square around and try to bunt that ball. I had a fear, like, most of the season. Maybe the second half of the season last month, so I finally got comfortable knowing that I could get out of the way if I squared around the bun, and uh, uh, I took pride in my bunting. You no know, two things that we know in uh, as pitchers, you know the bunch that and the take that. Uh, so I knew
1: both. <laughs> so you know what? Yeah, uh, I guess if you're scared of the, which I can completely understand. You know, guy throwing in the high nineties, maybe uh, get dressed up in a catcher's gear and go up there to bunt.
6: <laughs> well, you know what? I do go around the bear and I do clinics and talk to the kids. And most time, it's the parents and they their son is afraid of the ball. And this is the craziest thing. I tell them what has to happen. He has to get
3: hit. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
6: Yeah, you, you know, you get hit and you're either going to say, okay, I'm not going to do this. And you get back up there and say, well, I'm not going to let this happen to me again. So it can work both
2: ways. Yeah. So. Interesting thing, though, about Vita, Vita never had, I don't think, tell me if I'm wrong, you ever had any arm problems. And he was still throwing batting practice. I remember traveling with the Giants in the late 90s. Vida would be on the trips with the team. You know, here he is, here's a guy in his early 50s throwing batting practice. And you were throwing some pretty good fastballs at these guys.
6: Well, Bruce, from 45 feet, hell, I could make a comeback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I know. It's so funny. I was I was telling <laughs> Billy Bean, I said, uh, I said, hey, if you ever need a relief pitcher, I go, I can throw in the high 60s. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, from 40 feet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, were a du- you were a durable pitcher. I mean, you threw a lot of innings. And, and in those days, they let guys go. I mean, what do you think mm. of all this age of specialization and analytics? The other night, Dave Roberts pulls his starting pitcher, uh, Rich Hill, after just four innings. And, and Hill was just furious. Vita, Vita would still be yeah, pitching. Yeah
6: had seven strikers. I, well, I can't. I would have gotten fired because I would have flipped the ball in the air again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you hit the nail on the head, Bruce. With, with, with the with the, the the way the game is now, they they want exit velocity. I'm like, who cares how fast the ball left? It what over yeah. the fist. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a big yeah. deal.
3: Yeah,
6: but that's the nature of the game now. And uh, uh, I guess I have to give a trip out to my mom and dad to give me the good G's, man. It was it was nice. It's still nice to be able to throw when I do go and work out with kids with no pain. That's the key, right? Yeah, here. be able to throw with no pain, and I'm blessed and been a lucky guy. Bruce.
1: Well, I guess p- part yeah. of it. Now, did you wor- did you not work out with weights?
6: Uh, no, they they didn't have weights in the, in yeah. the locker room. And, yeah. uh, my my routine was do a lot of running and do a lot of stretching. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. I did my side sessions when when I asked to do them and uh, I uh, just took them out my day to go out there, man. I, I, like I said. I'm, so fortunate to have the good genes, and uh, it's nice to be able to throw and not have it. I have trouble getting loose now. Yeah. I oh, get sure. Loose, I Straighten can up trouble. and but stand up. if I up, take yeah.
2: that extra five, ten minutes to get there, I'm
6: loose. <laughs> <laughs> i loose. I got to
2: ask you, though, you know, uh, in your day when you were a kid, baseball was the sport, you know, and that's the sport that a lot of kids – Whether you were black, white, or Latino, you kind of aspired to make it in the big leagues. Today, it's a different story. Most of the kids, inner-city kids, a lot of the rural kids, they're not playing football or basketball. Baseball's had a tough time attracting especially African-American kids. The Latino kids are are coming in by the boatload. But what's going on with it? Why, Why is it so difficult to get... Um, the African-American kids today to play baseball. I mean, I, I imagine it's not an easy... I don't know, Bruce. I, I, Economics, they, I think.
6: The African-American kids, they do play they're dual-sport athletes, but they'll play basketball and football. Yeah. Baseball, I mean, uh, they run track and football, you know, but baseball is the third of the three. Or oh, they'll play soccer mm. and play basketball. You know, football might be third and baseball be their fourth choice, but and of course, with the concussion factor, a lot of fans—I mean, a lot of parents—don't want, don't yeah. want the kids playing football. So a lot of kids play basketball. But
3: I, well, well,
1: don't you we, think me, some?
6: I guess I guess I, I should. I, we should direct this course to some of the general managers. Why aren't they going out mm. to find African American players in the inner cities? Uh, they have the programs in South and in, in the Caribbean, and they got all the yeah. uh, the, uh, the the the, the uh, Little League
1: World but, Series. <laughs>
6: Yeah, yeah, but, but they, I don't think they're recruiting the, the black players. I, I I might be wrong, but. I
1: think part uh, of it, I'll, I'll bet part of it is the economics. You, you know, you, for the most part, you'd have to buy a glove. Well, you'd the have travel to buy teams, too. The oh, travel yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah the equipment
2: and finding a field. I mean, in the old days, yeah. we could play in a, you know, you'd get five or six kids together, one pitcher could throw. Yeah, you'd you, you play
6: strikeout. It's yeah. Yeah, fun doing it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's the nature of, of the world today. And, uh, and uh, let's not forget that the kids are sitting inside, staring at their TV, playing video games. Mm,
2: not a good thing. I'm <laughs> yeah. glad. I'm glad we grew up in a different era, aren't you, Vida?
6: I am too, yeah. Bruce. Like I said, man, I'm. I'm glad I played when I played. I played against some great athletes, and uh, I gave a lot to the game, and the game uh, re- refunded me. I mean, returned the favor by giving me a lot in turn to as a former player.
2: I Always enjoy yeah. getting a chance though to talk to you about these stories, and you know yeah. I, I do want to harken back before we let you go to Reggie Jackson because how can you how can you leave him out of the conversation? He he's kind of been a little you haven't heard too much about Reggie lately. He's turning seventy, I think, or has turned seventy. But he well,
6: was he's, he's toned down. He, yeah, uh, he really has uh, mellowed out a little bit. But he was our he was our Barry Buzz. You know, we can yeah. go about our business and do our job. Uh, you know, Joe Rudy hits a two out day mm-hmm. winning double. The next day headline says, Reggie says, you know <laughs> So he took the pressure off of all of us and uh, he were, he's a he's quite the guy though. You know, he knew all his stats up to the minute. Uh and uh hey Anybody that can give themselves their own nickname and call themselves Mr. October, yeah. mm. uh, <laughs> you got to be something special, and he is that.
1: Yeah. Vida, thanks again for joining us on Sports Econ welcome, 101. you guys.
6: My pleasure. Sorry <laughs> I so much. Oh, loved right. it, Vida. i Loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You make me comfortable. I enjoy the coffee, so feel free to it. all it takes is one call. Out all right, right, buddy.
2: You're a sweetheart. Thank man. you. Have a great time in North Carolina. All right, the the one and only Vita Blue, who, of course, with that name alone, you can't forget Vita Blue. But just his style, his personality, very distinctive. Very, and it's been a pleasure knowing him all these years. Yeah,
1: in fact, he was the first one I think that we just put his first name on the. I, I interviewed
2: right? Vita first time in 1978 when he was with the Giants, and and I was kind of nervous, you know. And he, he said, "Let's sit down, sit down, let's talk." And we sat down on the candlestick field on our rear ends and did this interview. It's
1: because he comes from
2: Louisiana. We're business friendly. Very, very informal. All right. So I
1: I wish you would have stayed on for just this last question. This is a little harder. Oh, boy. The 1971 World Series pitted the Baltimore Orioles against a team that had not been to the World Series in 11 seasons, Mm. the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was a major upset as the Pirates won the series four games to three. Why were the Orioles heavily favored to win the series? It's kind of a a subjective question. Sure. Right? But that's our that's our question. Basically, in nineteen seventy-one, why were the Orioles heavily favored to win the nineteen seventy one World Series against the Pirates? Don't touch that dial sports eCon 101 will be right back with some closing comments.
0: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review, 800-957-6063,
3: 800-957-6063.
0: Welcome back to Econ 101. Last time for today,
1: I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Third and final trivia question. The 1971 World Series pitted the Baltimore Orioles against a team that had not been to a World Series uh, in se- in 11 seasons. Remember the 60 Pirates? Sure, sure. Uh, Remember this Maserowski? World Series very well, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it was a major upset as yes. the Pirates won the series four games to three. Why were the Orioles heavily favored to win that series?
2: Well, they had won the two previous American League titles. They'd been beaten by the Mets in 69, and then they'd swept the—I think they'd actually won four out of five from the Reds. They had Frank Robinson and Brooks Robinson and Dave McNally and Jim Palmer. I mean, this was a team that was replete with stars. Pittsburgh was pretty darn good, but they didn't have the pitching. They had Roberto Clemente and Willie yeah. Stargill. Clemente had the series to remember. He was yeah. the MVP of that series, and that's why it was uh, kind of an upset. And that was, you know, a year and a half later, Roberto was killed in that yeah. plane wreck. So.
1: Um, but you're kind of close on okay. So the the Orioles. I mean, you kind of you 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 named a <laughs> bunch of stuff. So we'll give you credit for well, that. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, they were they were a favorite. They should have won it. Yeah. I think they had a three games to one lead. They might have had that much I, of a lead. To, I'm
1: trying to remember that. It um, was a it
2: was a seven game series. Pittsburgh yeah. had to go to Baltimore, and I believe I th- I believe they, they won the last too. two games at Memorial Stadium. And Roberto Clemente had just a spectacular series. I I think he had something like four twenty one. He was the MVP.
1: Well, they have here, uh, the answer is the Orioles had four 20-game winners. That's so, right. Again, you, McNally, McNally and, and
2: Palmer. And, uh, Mike Quare, How Quayar? can we forget yeah, him? Yeah. And then there was a guy named Wally Bunker, I think. Might have been Wally yeah, Bunker. I can't Wally remember the last yeah. guy. Nolan
1: something? No, anyway. Yeah. All right, so here's our thoughts for the day. It isn't the mountains ahead to climb that wear you out; it's the pebble in your shoe. Oh boy! And you said that? That's true. Whenever Muhammad I go Ali. surfing. When I, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad said, Ali that, said that. Muhammad Ali said that. Sounds like
2: he took it from some Eastern philosopher. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, Pele said, "The more difficult the victory, the harder the, the excuse me, the greater the happiness in winning."
2: Uh, that's true too. He, he's a, a shining star. Yeah. In yeah. In, in, in more yeah. ways than just the obvious.
1: Yeah. All right. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.